We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. fans how you doing it's your boy john of the macri with you for an upbeat everything's fine nothing's wrong all is well what could what could be it's, 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 everything's great it's great it's great it's fine edition of the next film school podcast uh coming at you a day later than normal uh we're gonna get to that in a, a second uh, but uh first let me introduce my co-host of course the one and only uh, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. But he, man, ooh, he brings the heat, which is why if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see he's recording. You're not really in your kitchen. You're next to your kitchen. I mean, I'm kind of in the kitchen right you're now. In the kitchen. So this is the other uh, side of my girlfriend's apartment where I've been filming recently. Yep. But yeah, this is what the kitchen looks like. You got a, a beautiful microwave up here. You got some nice glasses over here and, you know. Bedroom, bathroom. It's the tour. Congratulations, everyone. You've seen the apartment. As I said, I don't know if you heard me when you were repositioning yourself. This is the most I've laughed uh, today, uh, without question. Um, so uh, so uh, hello, everybody. Um, you are uh, listening to this, uh, I, I think, on a Tuesday, um, which is not a Monday, which is when we usually come at you. So we, we probably should have been clearer about this over the weekend or last week. But basically, uh as long as the Knicks are in the playoffs, which will hopefully still be a while, despite what we saw on Sunday night. Um, Jeremy and I are going to be coming at you uh, basically more or less two days after each game. So we're going to record the day after a game is played. Uh, maybe if there's an afternoon game on a weekend at some point, we'll switch that up. But I think for the most part, we're going to stick to the schedule. Um, and uh, and yeah, so you're going to be getting a lot of Jeremy and I, which, of course, is exactly what you want and need in your life. Um, Jeremy, me, John. Jeremy, me. What do I look like? An English teacher? 
Come on. I talk good. Um, I have a podcast, obviously. I must talk good. Uh, so <laughs> 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 really, I mean, but here's the thing. So, so Andrew Claudio, producer extraordinaire, um, has been among the millions of things that he does to make this a better experience for, for you all even though it's you know ostensibly more painful for us, he comes up with these little rundowns, which we go through um, for each episode. And uh, the first thing on today's rundown is 24 hours later, which is a little bit of a misnomer because we're at uh, uh, tw- 19 and a half hours later. Yeah, I think 19 and a half. Um, people be listening to this, John. Yes, I understand. But as I want to put people in the moment, we are recording this at five o'clock on on uh, Monday. How are you? How high are your frustration levels after this loss? And I I'm we were talking about this a little bit before we came on. And I'm I don't know. I'm just kind of delirious at this point. This was this was a rough day. I needed any excuse to come and um, laugh at something. And and so if, if we seem a little or if I seem a little jumpy at the start of this pod, that's why. Um, Cause this, I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty frustrated. And um, you know, Jeremy, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Cause we really haven't spoken, um, you know, about the game at all. Uh, and, you know, we'll get into who to blame and, and uh, you know, some other stuff in a bit and what we could do moving forward. But I, I, I just, it was this two things. One, it was this weird combination of there were so many reasons why we shouldn't have been in the game, which usually is something you could fall back on to then be like, oh, so we lost. Well, that's fine. We shouldn't have been in the game anyway. It's no big deal. But that's not the emotional tenor that this game or this result had at all in in no way, shape or form um, because there was just this sense that like, I hate to say like they had to get that game, but it, I, I, I don't know how else to put it. It just felt like they had to get that game in the moment. The crowd, the burks of it all, we'll get to him in a bit. You know, the, some of the big shots and other big moments and things. And the fact that they had it despite all of that. So that's that's part of it. Um, and then the other the other part of it, the last thing I'll say very quickly is like, you know, it was really easy for me to always be positive or at least more positive than I guess maybe other content creators during like the 17 win season or like when shit's going haywire, because I'm really good at like not paying attention to the moment and being like, it's okay. If you change this, that, and 12 other things, here's where things can get really great. And all we'd have to do is like figure out a way to change those, you know, 18 things. Um, when you're analyzing what's it right in front of you and you kind of are stuck with just what's in front of you and you're looking at a game, which I went and rewatched today and it's just like, man, they just lost. <laughs> um, it's harder to be upbeat, I guess about it, which is why. So for anybody out there who's like, Macri, you're my guy, you get me, you know, feeling good after shit's down. Like uh, I, I apologize um, on behalf of me. Um, to you for for not being that guy right now. So, uh, Jeremy, I'm I'm really curious to to hear what you have to say. I am uh, easy breezy cover girl right now. <laughs> That's how I would describe it. Uh, for starters, God bless if, you. Uh, if my voice sounds not up to par, it's because I was screaming my head off yesterday uh, at the game with fifteen thousand other people, and I think I, I was texting with uh, Terry of Terry and Trey this morning, and. I didn't feel bad about last night. I really didn't. And I I said to him, you know, 
is like, do you feel this way too? And he said, yeah, I feel the same. And what we determined is that, you know, physically being there, I think really changed how we viewed the series, or at least how I certainly viewed the series. Um, I, I could understand why if I were watching at home, I would be furious. I would be just as angry and despondent and frustrated as you are, John. And I don't blame you. Frustrated you mostly. Of course. More, more, yeah, definitely frustrated. Sure. And, and I, you know, I still felt upset. I wanted the Knicks to win, but they gave so many moments to me of pure joy that I haven't been able to, to feel in such a long time. And, you know, I was last at the garden for a playoff game eight years ago, like a lot of other fans were, but I hadn't been in the building since before the pandemic. And I was sitting in a vaccinated section where fans all had their masks off and I had my mask off and, you know, it was loud watching the game on my computer last night and this morning, but the volume, it, it doesn't even compute. It was earth shattering or earthquaking at times where I, I like genuinely thought, you know, kind of jokingly, but still in there, like if I came back here, would I have to wear earplugs? Because it just, it was that loud of an atmosphere. And so <laughs> what really was the, the positive for me was the experience. Whereas I, again, I get it. I know I'm speaking in the minority here. Just that's the math. There are a lot more Knicks fans than there are people who were in the building yesterday. Um, but, you know, I, I see ways to tinker and I see how we can, how the Knicks can improve. But again, it was really hard for me to feel negative about a, a really positive experience that I had. And I feel really grateful to be able to have had that. Um, but that's kind of where I'm standing. So I'll be the positive no, force in this uh, yin and yang. Hearing you say those words makes me gen. It, it is the first time I have felt good about this game all day. Um, so thank you for that. I don't know if you did, you're probably not doing that for my benefit, but I know I, I, I'm just being sincere. I, <laughs> I mean, that helps you. That's great. But I mean, listen, you take, take what you get. Um, that's great. Um, and I, I'm, I'm actually, I want to ask you something about that. What, Cause one thing that I don't think anyone nor, nor should anybody have been expecting to question this because we haven't had to question it all year. Um, one thing we don't have to question about last night was their effort. Their effort was, outstanding i mean you with with one exception that we ju- we never we can't ever get past a podcast without talking about him so why the fuck would this wouldn't be any different putting that aside um everybody's effort was top notch the whole way through um you know we could quibble with some of the uh tibsian uh maybe some of the choices but for the most part i, I thought everything they put forth on the floor was uh, commensurate with Knicks basketball as we've come to know it this year. Is that uh, did did you feel like that helped you feel okay about things? I mean, what kind of helped me, uh, you know, fall asleep at night, quote unquote, I guess, because uh, I felt fine. But it was more the idea of like well, you're telling me that the Knicks could basically be a Trey Young floater with 0.9 seconds left in a game where Julius Randle looked like someone who had never seen playoff basketball where R.J. Barrett, similarly, where uh, Reggie Bullock was playing, and I think his fourth or fifth career, fifth career playoff game. Like, you could tell the guys who did well for the Knicks offensively were the ones who had been there before, and the ones who didn't were kind of starstruck in some ways. Um, I, I honestly was kind of expecting a loss in some way. I turned to my friend who I went to huh. the game with, and I said that I really wouldn't surprise me if the Knicks didn't win this game, just 
because there's a lot going into it. It's exciting. It's fun. I think that there's some more pressure on the Knicks than there was from the Hawks, actually. Um, Interesting. That's not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, again, like it it may not seem that way because from my perspective, and this is also why I'm kind of just like numb to it is don't get me wrong. I would kill to win the series, but when we go back to the greater context of it all, Oh yes. Where where we are is fantastic. So, but the house know, money is it's all it's it's we're so far and above that 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 portion of the pile. It's yeah, right, right. Yeah. So you know, I mean, that's that's kind of where I was at. But again, it's like uh, Trey had I think nineteen points on twenty shots through three quarters. Yeah, he was being neutralized. Um, that, that to me, like you look at one quarter. I mean, you have to look at the whole game, of course. But if you kind of look at that one quarter as what it is and Hopefully that is more of an anomaly than not because I felt like a lot of ticky-tack fouls were called. I think the Knicks got called for like three team fouls to put them in the bonus and maybe a minute and a half of gameplay, something like that in the fourth. Sounds uh, about right. Started with that Randall foul and then before yeah. you know it, the Hawks win the bonus. So yeah, um, although truth be told, I mean, what kind of, for me at least, where things kind of slipped away, at least where I thought they could, was actually at the end of the, end third, of the third quarter. <laughs> when RJ missed that three, and Lou Will went down and scored, I thought that was the Knicks' chance to put the nail in the coffin and win the game. And then Lou Wilk went down and scored again. But that was a turnover, his, right? That was a yeah. Randall yeah, they, turn? Yeah. Again, the Hawks just killing it in transition. That's what they do. And it was at that moment when I think it went, it was a two-point yep. game going to the fourth where I thought like, damn, I, I still think the Knicks could win, but that it, shot, that was their moment. And that five-point swing completely turned the game around. And that's that's exactly what wound up happening. I um I could not keep my eyes open anymore by the time I uh scheduled the newsletter to send um at I two the first number on the clock was two. That's all I remember. Um but I usually include a turning point of the game and um uh I I forgot and I would have included that as the turning point of the game because it was obviously the turning point of the game. It felt like an 8 point swing. Um, cause it felt like the R- Suns, like th- that's the closest, the Suns game, oh, it's that's ex- the closest it reminded me to. I don't know. I thought of it in the moment. I was like, holy shit, it's the Suns game. And obviously the Suns game turned into a blowout. Um, just a couple things to pick up and then, and then we'll, we'll, um, we'll move on, uh, to the rest of our, um, uh, scheduled, uh, programming here. Uh, you mentioned Julius's terrible game. Obviously it was very bad. You mentioned Reggie and, and RJ. I, I don't think like, <laughs> It's impossible to like over to uh, to yeah no to understate um, how dramatic it was to go from what they've been doing behind the arc for I mean from RJ for RJ it's been since I guess January right um, and for Reggie it's been since right before the All Star break where he's Reggie that again if you go by volume and you go by accuracy you could you could and. He's a top six or seven or maybe eight three-point shooter in the league over that time. And while RJ doesn't quite have the same um, above-the-break proficiency as Bullock, from the corners, he's literally the best shooter in basketball all year, um, or from left corner at least, and he's he's pretty good elsewhere as well. For those two guys to combine for one three, I like. There's a part of me that almost thinks that that was not. I don't. The word damaging is incorrect, but like. It was almost as significant as Randall going out and doing what he did um, or not not doing what he what he didn't do. And then the other thing about that, you you mentioned the Trey floater. I look at the RJ um, and it's not his fault, but go back. If you haven't already freeze frame it, the ball is on his shoulder. 
Trey Young throws the ball when he's and he's guard for anybody who doesn't know, it's the bogey game tying three. The ball hits him in the damn shoulder. And I'm not blaming RJ, it's just one of those things. But like it's it's um yeah, you 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 really can't write this stuff. Um so okay. Um blame. Blame is a part of life. So I'm I just sometimes I just gotta read Andrew's writing because it's it's like uh, it's like Hemingway. Who do you blame most, if anyone, for this loss? This is our next talking point. And I'm just going to read off the names. Julius Randle, Tom Thibodeau, of course, Alfred Payton, Tony Brothers, for anybody who doesn't know, Tony Brothers was one of the refs, the head ref. And then finally, nobody. Credit to Trey and the Hawks. Um, I, I actually have a pretty clear answer for this, but I'm curious. if Are you hedging? Do you have a clear answer? I have a leading candidate. Uh, and I would say that would be Tom Thibodeau. Um, wow. For this game. Okay. Yeah. Give me I your thought. Give me why. Well, uh, for starters, again, I like, I can't. Is this a hot take or that you genuinely, no, you no, genuinely, this is genuinely. This I, okay. I don't, I, look, okay. we you don't do hot takes. We, we, I don't what? You, we don't do hot takes here. I just, oh, we I never just do did, hot takes. This I just did not, not expect take. you. I did not expect you to say tips. No. Well, the reason I would say that is for Elf, I think Elf is who he is. That's the thing. Uh, like, I don't, I, I saw your rant about Elf and I, it, resen- it resonated with me, of course. And I felt the same way. And I would really not want to see uh, Elf playing at all. Like uh, Tibbs just said today about Elf, how, you know, like we try to put our best players out there. And, uh, uh, you know, I say this was much chagrin, but uh, to the credit of Tyrese of the Strickland, uh, he said, you know, like, okay, well, that either means that Tibbs views Alfred Payton as one of the best or he doesn't. And he's playing him over players that are better than him. And I mean, or he's just lying. Well, which sure, is, but again, like correct. It's, it's not a good scenario either way, but <laughs> he's been lying of, all year though. When he said, when right. he talks about the defense, of course, you know and, that. Yeah. The other, I mean, you know, when you talk about the advanced stats, yes, yes but yes. then, you know, you keep plugging Payton and playing him. So again, like, I, I think that he, those minutes matter. I think anyone who says like, oh, it's kind of, you know, that's just a part of it. No, I would say those elf minutes were significant in terms of the margins and all it takes are a few minutes here and there to completely change the swing of the game. If, don't take my word for it. Take Tom Thibodeau's who had yeah. said in the past about if the other team plays their superstars five minutes longer than we play ours, they're going to win. I, I'm not talking about a superstar in Alfred Payton, but we're talking about someone who could just enough swing it where a two point game could have gone in the other direction. That's, that's really the truth of it. So, but what killed me the most was I thought that there was some very questionable um, calling like play calling down the stretch and through the games. I thought there were times where Tibbs should have used his challenge and didn't, and then used it on the RJ foul, which I get it. I understand why. And I thought it was a ridiculous call, but that's kind of the NBA in terms of how they call it anyway. Um, but th- he, he used it there because he knew if he didn't use it there, he probably wasn't going to get to use it. Of course. But yeah. I really, and they were, and they were point, probably going to, um, sorry. And he would have probably wanted a timeout anyway. So it was like, but no, I agree. I agree with you that that's, that's not a good reason. Like if you're using a challenge, because if you don't use it there, you're probably going to lose it. It's, not, it's probably not the best reason to use the right. challenge. Like, and again, my vantage point, maybe it wasn't the best, but there was a one possession, I think in the second quarter with Capella, where it looked like it came off of him. And I thought that would have been the perfect time to challenge and Tibbs didn't. And he's challenged calls in, you know, the second quarter before there was one game where I think he, he, it was for Noel where there was a a foul called on him. 
uh, later in the season and, and Tibbs won yeah. the challenge and it worked. But I thought that um, that ATO to end the game was just an egregious play call. Oh, the, um, ran- the last play of the game? The last play, having Burks inbound the ball to Randall to do whatever the hell Randall did. Uh, I mean, the ball wasn't even out of his hands by the time the clock hit. You have quickly out there, you could at least run Randall's a decoy because you know Randall is struggling the entire game and quickly, by the way, is doing fine. And, and another just random thought, you know, Rose played 38 minutes in the game yep. and we, it's fine because he's saved up for this time, but that's still a lot for Derek. It's a ton of minutes. He gets two days off. He gets two days off. Great. Perfect. I, and I agree, but you know, I mean, there's a thought of what if you start Rose? Um, what if you start Burks? But I'd actually like to suggest what if you, if you're, if we're talking about a five to six minute interval, the beginning of the first, beginning of the third, what if you started Emmanuel quickly? Because as you, John, I know you dive into those cleaning the glass numbers quite a bit. Yeah. The differential between Rose and the starting four and quickly in the starting four no, no. is it's almost, it's not even really there. It's like one point and it's like a plus 17 for Rose and a plus 16 for quickly. And quickly, I mean, what? He had 10 points last night, could shoot, stretch the defense completely. I mean, you can't, every minute is important. And you can't have someone who will torpedo your offense in any way when the margins are that thin. So that's why I, but I still, I, I, I Elf is who he is. We have to, we accept that. No, it, but that's why I blame Tibbs for, for putting him out there because we knew what it was like. The whole consti- the, uh, what continuity bullshit that we had to deal with. Like, okay, they, they won with other players in that spot. You don't have to have Alfred Payton in there. It's not Elf's choice to start or not. He's going to start if Tibbs decrees it. So this is a bad game by, by Tibbs hats, you know, tipped to Trey and the Hawks, but uh, you know, it's onto the second one, but I, that's, that is why I would say he is the, uh, the firing squad should be on him first, just for game one. You'd be a good lawyer. Do you know that? I've heard that. You would have, you, you gotta, you gotta, he, knack for it, this I just want to get this in mind. Tibbs is the one who has gotten the Knicks to where they are. Look, he, he, we I, both, this think is not a, a Tibbs, no, we, you know, he should be the coach of the up. year, right? Uh, but but coach of the coaches of the. I'm, I'm just let me be clear. I'm not suggesting that this happened. Coaches of the year have gotten fired yes. after they've won the <laughs> coach of the year award. And but that the, the point is that it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. Um, you one might even be a coach that uh, a prominent media member in the NBA would say that he'd rather have than a two time MVP. Um, and and yet now we're looking at Brad Stevens and saying, uh, I don't know. Um, and, Every coach screws up. Tibbs has screwed up. Um, I'm sure he would admit that. Um, before I get to, well, no, let me get, here's, okay. I'm not going to blame Elf either because that's like blaming your two-year-old for shitting in the corner after you're trying to potty train them. Um, you know, it's like, it, it's an unfortunate event, but you know, what do you expect? They shit in the corner last week. They're probably going to shit in the corner again. I'm just bringing up because that's where my daughter used to go shit um, when we were trying to get her. To she should install a toilet in the corner. It does. Then she would have go found a different corner. That's what just kids do. All of I your corners have toilets. Just I, buy <laughs> toilets for your entire house. Then she Every would have corner. shat in the middle of the floor like Alfred Payton does whenever he goes out and plays basketball for the Knicks. Good. Good. That was, that was smooth. It's <laughs> not my first rodeo, Jeremy. Um... <laughs> Sometimes you can't come right back from it. You just, it throws your way off. Um, I, I like your thought on Randall as a decoy. 
Um, I'm not going to put the blame on him for the game because of that play. Um, when you said decoy, I my mind jumped to the fact that like, hey, once it was pretty clear that Randall didn't have it um, in this game, why not try to use him as a decoy through more of the fourth quarter and parlay that into taking advantage of Trey Young on defense, which would be my biggest critique of him um, in the game is that they did not game plan more to take advantage of Trey Young down the stretch. Um, that said, and of course I'm, I can't find, I'm 99% sure they scored 32 points in the fourth quarter. Does that sound right? I think the Hawks scored 36 and, and yeah, because they were up by two and yep. they lost by two. Yeah. Okay. So 32. Um, can you really have that many complaints uh, if the team scores 32 points in the fourth quarter? You know, I, I don't. Um, the challenge thing is fair, although it's playoff basketball and you're like, you want to save the challenge until late. So it's like, eh. So I think that goes both ways. Um, and then the elf thing is, I, I, I'm, I, I, I don't have it in me to continue to theorize as to the reasons for why this has gone at long, as long as it has. My that part that portion of my soul is a dried, withered, um, I don't know, a raisin, I guess, right? Yeah, a raisin. Well, I will say this: the there's something to be said about the optics of starting of like you start Elf for every game he plays, and then game one in the postseason I'm, you hook him. I'm not. No, but look, why? But it shouldn't why, have come to this. Of point. course, I, listen. I am I'm in complete agreement with. You, I know you. Are. Something to be said of like, okay, well. We tried it. We minimized his minutes more than I, we ever have. Yeah. We lost the game. You can, you know, you can find tons of areas of development. That is one of them where we can replace him, you know, I mean, repeal and replace kind of thing. Uh, you know, get our politics going. But yeah, in that sense, like that is a way you can, you can argue it. It just sucks to me that you have to essentially sacrifice a game one in some ways to kind of prove that point. Yes. Look, he wants to keep everything neat and orderly. And he very, in my mind, at least very clearly is like, just go out there and don't fuck it up for however many minutes we have to leave you out there. So I could keep everything else as is. Cause I think he likes having Burks and Rose and quickly on the court for the same time without overextending minutes, without ever forcing quickly into a playmaking role, potentially, even though we know to your point before that if he started the game with quickly, just run the offense through Randall because you're running the offense through Randall again or through Randall anyway. Um, and you know, for the one or two possessions during those first four five, six, whatever it is, minutes, you get let you have RJ, you have, um, you know, you have, you quickly can spearhead a possession. Like there are things you can do. And again, we're not talking about a perfect world because the Knicks don't exist in a perfect world because they don't have a perfect starting point guard. They are making do with what they have. So again, it, it, I'm, I'm, yeah. Um, I can answer. I throw, can I just throw one more thing with please. The yeah. I thought how he used Frank, not surprising, but disappointing. And yeah, that yeah. having him come, look, we know that's what he's done, right? But there's this idea of like, well, that's his role. Frank should embrace it. Again, you're, you're, you're basically saying, hey, Frank, you get to play two possessions on defense yeah. every game, and you've got to be completely warm for that. You've got to go toe-to-toe with the, the um, best player on the floor in the fourth <laughs> quarter in Trey Young and try to stop him so we don't lose the game. And that entire, you know, there's a huge miscommunication I don't know how apparent it was on TV, but the stadium was so loud. Oh, Burks didn't come into the, the game. Right. It wasn't just Burks. It was 
there was Frank who, I mean, he was guarding the inbounds pass and kept turning to Tibbs, throwing up his hands, being like, what are, what am I doing? And no one could understand each other. And then eventually, oh, you Jesus. know, he went to, Tib- he went to Trey, but yeah. he, I think that was originally what Tibbs had in mind. It's just, it took so long and it was so frantic that nothing really felt like it was set. It's not a good look. It just isn't. So, you know, it's bad luck. We talk about preparedness, right? What was prepared about that? Nothing. There was nothing prepared in that sense. No. And that very much feels like it would fall on the shoulders of no, um, it, our, our dear Lord and Savior, Tom. It does. Um, I mean, myself, to me, it's like if, 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 the, if Frank acts like he's ready to come in for that, then, you know, but what? look, I think Frank should play in this series moving forward. I don't think he should play two seconds. I think he should play five, six, seven, eight minutes somewhere in that range, and and take quick and take uh, Peyton's minutes, not as the starter, but you know you retrigger the other stuff. And we're both in agreement on that. Okay. Um, I was actually going to say nobody credit to Trey and the Hawks because I can't in good conscience put a, a a game one loss on Julius Randle, even though that is the obvious answer. I think. Um, but again, you're really going to sit here and we're going to blame the guy who, without whom we wouldn't be here. I just think that's the like again. This is my biggest takeaway from from um, rewatching the game today, is like you, you want to tell me that they could have guarded the pick and roll better. And I guess I'm spoil. I'm, I'm jumping ahead to things that they you know uh, could do differently in game two. You know maybe Noel doesn't stick as tight to Capella for as long on these rolls and he jumps out a half a second earlier to try to deter the floater. Um, Okay. And then you're sure that young isn't going to be able to then get it over his outstretched arms and just complete the lob. Anyway, it's like, there's no good options against this attack with the personnel that they have. Unless you want to tell me you put Reggie Bullock on whoever the primary ball handler is. And guess what? That's not going to work because you got two other guys who could pull off the same shit in Bogdan Bogdanovich and Lou Williams. And they have three of those guys on the team. So even though they didn't last night, if they wanted to run out for 48 minutes and always have two of those guys on the floor, now that would create additional defensive issues, which why, which is why it's usually just Lou by himself. And then the other two guys, I'm getting off track here. The point is, this team is nasty. And I think everybody, I hope if, if you don't recognize it by now, and if, if you watch the last game, the, the game one, and you think that that was some kind of a fluke, or if you think like, what the hell are the Knicks doing, giving up all these floaters? What's wrong? Like, there's a domino effect here. And if you, if it's like, pick your poison. It, that's all it is. It's pick your poison. The Knicks pick their poison. Could they have executed the um, the ingestion of the poison a little bit better? Maybe a, a tad. Um, but I, I just, I don't know where where else, um, you know, the answers are. Um, so that's why I was going to say, you know, credit to Trey and the Hawks. Um, they played good, and yet we held them to what? What was it? 30, uh, 107, right? Which is like 105, 103. We had 105, they, yeah. We had right. 105, they had 107, yeah. So it's like, you know, and here, here's the thing for as much as the last thing I'll say, and then I'll, I'll turn it to you. Um, for as much as they killed us on the pick and roll, and they did, that was essentially, and look, it was enough, so it, 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 it was enough. That was all. Like the Knicks shut down everything else that they tried to do. Like there was a lot of uh, there were attempts to do this, that, and the other thing here and there. Not a lot, but like the Knicks defense was was good in the areas that it can be good. But it, you know when it comes down to whether it's Peyton or Rose or Quickly or Burks chasing that little 
mf -er around these damn screens. It's, um, you know, I don't know. So that's all I got. Any, yeah. Anything else from you on well, that? Well, you picked your poison, right? And yeah. The data that we have shows us that when Trey is, you know, has to pull up floaters uh, or doing some runners, I mean, that is the shot you want him to take. If you look back, at least certainly last year, not this past season, this current season, but uh, the year before, Trey was really not good on those floaters. The shots that he was hitting yesterday, he wasn't hitting last year. And, I, you know, you've, I'm sure you've checked for this season and, and maybe it was a little bit better. Um, Is it 47%? So 0.94 points per, per possession. Right. Roughly. I mean, that's that's fine. It's good. It's just that's what you want. You want him to, to be forced in that situation. And he, yep. I don't think, took... I feel like he didn't take a free throw until the fourth quarter or maybe he, he may have taken one or two. If, right. If that, yeah. And then the, the, the game just completely changed in that sense. Yeah. So like, you know, the calls went out the window that I think that's what bothered me the most actually was, and I, well, I don't want to say that cause then it makes me go towards the refereeing, but I just didn't think that I, the, the first three quarters in the fourth quarter were the same. I thought things got really loose and, or I guess, and maybe not loose, but I, I felt as though the, the calls that maybe weren't called earlier in the game were called later. That's um, fair. Like with Gallinari. It wasn't consistent. Right. When, when Gallinari, uh, so at the end of the third, I think, but yeah, end of the third, uh, it looked like Randall, um, Andrew Sonics, the Trey took his first free throw in the, the fourth quarter. Right. So he was completely shut out before that point. Um, and he ended up taking nine in the fourth. That's a lot. Uh, but the thing is that when Gallo thought he was fouled and then Randall stole the ball, Basically, I think it kind of like frazzled or, you know, put them on the, put the Hawks on edge and like, what, what the hell's going on with that? And it actually got to the point where the Hawks called a timeout and the entire team went back to the bench, except for Lou Williams, who at half court stood and was screaming at the ref saying like, what are you doing? How was that not a foul? And all the ref did was point. He pointed to the bench saying, go, go to the bench before I tee you up. And this was and at what point in the game? This again? was in the third quarter. Okay. I believe. Um, and then sure enough, on the next possession. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the Hawks called timeout, Bogdanovich, because... That's what it was, I believe. It was when RJ had the slam because Randall got the stop. RJ got the yep. slam, 63 all. Uh, and then the next play, I think Bogdanovich nailed a three because he was heated because he just got dunked on by RJ. But that sort of thing where, um, I don't know, there just seemed to be some sort of makeup calls, but it was more. Yeah. It, well, look, Atlanta, it, it happened. It's, it's the story of the year. The refereeing yeah. has sucked from day one in the NBA this year. Yeah. 
what else can you say? Um, Tony Brothers, this is not his first crime. This will not be his last. Um, are we going to give an Andy Chavez um, award for coming up big in a losing effort? Uh, I'm not saying the other person's name. Who? Uh, so for anybody who's not a baseball fan, Andy Chavez had a very famous catch in uh, Game 7 of the, let's see if I can remember this, um, the um, National League Championship Series, which I believe at the time preserved a tie game or preserved a one-run lead? 2006, right, Andrew? Yeah, okay. So this is... John is talking today about how devastated he is after last night's loss. This game that John is referring to is the most devastating loss of my sports life. A game I have only seen once because of the place <laughs> it will take me to. Uh, it is game seven of the National League Championship Series where with the game I got that right. one uh, game tied at one. Scott Rowland hits a deep drive to left field. Okay. Chavez puts half of his entire body into the Cardinals bullpen to make a catch, which he turned into a double play in which yes. a lot of us with the hat that I'm wearing now said that we're going to the World Series only to end with a three to one loss. So there you go. Chavez award for coming up big in a game in a losing effort. And I'm going to go cry now because now I'm thinking. <laughs> Um, I, I think this is just an excuse to uh, talk a little bit about Alec Burks. Um, all, all due respect to RJ for uh, the dunk that was. Um, I, I mean, well, Jeremy, let me ask you, uh, was the play shaking a little bit after that one? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I tweeted right after that. It felt like MSG oh, yes. could power a, a Midwest, yeah. like a medium sized city in the Midwest. And it it's great. True. I um, it was that. And it was the Obi dunk as well as the Noel block that kind of uh, bookmarked okay. it. Not uh, the second quickly three. That was big, but I think there's just, there was something about the, the dunks that, that really set people. The quickly three was huge. Don't get me wrong. Um, so that, can I just, where were you sitting? Where, what was, was your vantage point from the, for the. For I the, was around half court. Uh, I was like in between half court and the, um, the Hawks bench, but maybe slightly closer to the basket. There's something about, I think the, the ways, the way quickly's threes resonate more from home because of the, like the, you could see the distance more. Like even if you're at half court, I, I feel like it's tough. It's tougher to appreciate the, the like, Oh wait, he's going to shoot it from all the way out there as opposed like, you know, when you, when you're watching at home, there's something about it, where, which is why that was when um, I made a noise and um, I woke up the older child who was sleeping and the younger one, I, I hope, ha does not have hearing loss of, of any kind because I was holding her while my, my, my wife was putting the older one to bed and I, her ear was not far from my mouth. And my God, it, I'm, it must have sounded like some kind of a, a dying animal. So anyway, <laughs> for the quickly shot. This is for the quickly shot. Yeah. yeah. The, the second quickly three, the, which it, yeah. they, they said both of were 30 feet. It felt like the second one was a little bit longer, but I mean, yeah. you could see just how long it was. It's just, there was something about slamming at home for each of them, especially the RJ one, because it was in transition. Yeah. And I believe it was Rose who hit him with the pass dunking over Bogdanovich. And Ugh. like, and I think the other moment where people were like uh, very excited, but also kind of caught off guard by it a little bit was the OB three. Oh yeah, that was a, I, yeah, absolutely. I think the OB three was bigger than Obi's dunk myself. I I personally didn't, but I thought that it was also a big surprise. A friend who I brought uh, 
he was very surprised because he's not a Knicks fan. Uh, <laughs> actually, truth be told, he is a Hawks fan. Uh, but oh, he, Jesus. What are you doing? Because he's a really good friend of mine. Um, but the thing is, he didn't cheer for You're the Hawks. You're a good friend. He good kept man, it Charlie. quiet. He, and he just accept, he, he loved the game. I and mean, obviously, the Hawks won. Uh, yeah. But he was very subtle. I, I appreciated the fact that he was uh, low-key about it. I also good. told him that we just we were in the first row. So I said we'd throw him off the balcony into the suite if we had to. So uh, <laughs> That's great. He kept it quiet. Um, so I said uh, we, this was really going to Alec Burks. Um, I don't know what there is to say about Alec Burks that we haven't said already. Alec Burks is, gosh, if if Julius Randle, okay, let's do the where would this team be without, because this was a tweet I sent out last night. So Julius Randle is number one on the where would this team be without guy. Um, in terms of just players, I don't want to get into like Leon Rose or Tibbs or anything. Uh, I think Derek Rose probably has to be two, right? Mm-hmm. Is Burks three? Yeah, I would say so. Because it feels like how many big shots has he hit this year in the fourth quarter? Like how, how many? Like just think of all the shots where it's like, how did that go in? Although, here's the thing: I think the argument to putting in four and RJ for three is that RJ played every single game, second in the league in minutes, right? Um, completely durable. The shot is coming around, even though it was, you know, a lot of it was in the catch and shoot. He was hitting. They, they count just race. the same. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, they count. So I think, I think when you kind of consider that and the fact oh, that also, I mean, yeah, the minutes every thing game. as well, then that's when you can say, oh, well, Burks is maybe close to third, but, but probably, I think I'd put him fourth. I think last night you have to put him first. hundred percent. Yeah, Well, no, that goes without saying, no, that's, um, that's a fair argument that I, here we go. Uh, yet again, I have, besmirched the name of Rowan um, Alexander Barrett Jr. <sighs> when am I going to learn? I don't know. One of these Keep days. that energy because it's working. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't um, uh, of all the guys that I have confidence with, and it's funny I, we on the locker room on Saturday we were actually talking like uh, someone uh, I don't say called in uh, chimed in and was like I wouldn't be surprised at all if RJ had a terrible game in game one and bounces back. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of par for the course this season. So he'll be fine. Uh, I'm not worried about RJ. Um, okay. Um, let's talk a little. I mean, so we've kind of already previewed the next game. So for anybody who doesn't know, uh, the next game of the series will be on both MSG and TNT. Um, I did not turn on TNT for one solitary second on Sunday night. I was watching MSG the whole time. And I feel bad for anybody who had to watch that game on TNT. Um, and game time is at 7.30. So we've got a half an hour later than uh, this game time. Um, all right, so let's go through these. Uh, biggest thing you want to see happen differently in game two. Um, we talked about Frank getting some minutes. Um well, I, I'm talking about burying the lead. Is it? Is there any argument for any real answer other than Peyton goes to fucking Omaha? Yes. What's the answer other than that? The Knicks winning. <laughs> Again, not your first rodeo either. No. <laughs> uh, that's the only answer. Okay, yeah, no, so what's the, what's the second answer? No, it's Peyton. I think it has to be Peyton. Yeah, um, oh, it's, that's obvious. If it's, right. If it's not Peyton, it would be... Randall rising to the occasion, having a great bounce back game, hoping that Burks keeps that energy as well. Cause I mean, there's something to be said of if Randall rises to the occasion, but Burks kind of falls back a bit. If the shot maybe doesn't work for him as much. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say probably some combination so of that. I, I was taking it more as like, what's actually, no, I see this is again, you're the better lawyer than me. I did not properly read the question. The question asked, 
thing that you want to see happen differently. That could just fo- that could emphasize just the results. I was focusing more on the process and like the game planning of it all. Yes, the correct answer is we would like to see Julius Randle be Julius Randle. Um, you gotta you gotta see the forest for the, for trees, the trees, my friend. There you go. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just want to say, in terms of your Burke's point, I think the distance be- between Burke's having between the game Burks had on Sunday night and like an average commensurate Burks game is smaller than the gap between the game that Randall had and Randall's average game. I'm not even talking about a great Randall game, which I think he's very capable of coming back with Um, because again, long break, he doesn't do well with long breaks. Um, And the other thing about Burks, and I guess this is um, going to, kind of get into our next thing, which is the biggest thing we think will change in game two. Um, I, th- I think the Hawks, I don't know what it's going to be, but I think the Hawks will try to do something differently to try to corral the uh, Alec Burks, uh, Derek Rose show, because that was the, that was the other biggest takeaway I had from rewatching the game is they like, we were so focused coming into this series on like, how are the Hawks going to stop Randall? They can't stop Randall. They can't stop either of those guys in the high pick and roll. The only times those guys did not produce in the high pick and roll was when they either had a silly turnover, which Rose had five of. Burks had a silly traveling call on the um, in the corner. I think he may have had another turnover. I forget. Um, and that was really it. Like they could not stop those guys. And and sorry. And Rose got off to a little bit of a slow start. Other, other than that, I think he also maybe Rose took like one ill-advised three, and then we haven't mentioned it yet, but Burks did have that pull-up, um, whatever it was, 16-footer that would have, you know, um, given them the lead back. He missed it. We don't need to dwell on it. He had a fantastic game. I don't know what the Hawks are going to do differently, but like, I got to think they're going to try something. At the same time, when I think about us and like, okay, well, what are we going to do differently to corral their pick and roll? I don't know the answer to that question. So then again, maybe there is nothing the Hawks could do. What 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 do you expect to see different in game two? I mean, from Atlanta's perspective, a lot of what they were doing is working. I you know, it's it's. I'm trying to think of adjustments that they can make that really. I, Gallinari looked terrible, and I'm not just saying that because I and Andrew tweeted this, and I had the same exact thought. How he looked like Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver. Um, talking to me? Yeah, it's more of a. Are you talking to me? Wow. Are you talking? Is that hey? He does it, not actually have. I know an, he does. A, a talent. That's not the joke. And also, oh, shout out, I get it because it's Gallo. And shout out to Italy, by the way, for winning Eurovision. Congratulations. Uh, that's my mea culpa to any Italians uh, I have offended in this last few moments. Um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, he he. You offend me every week. I'm Italian. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know. um, we don't care about that. Anyways, um, yeah, he, the the shot for a lot of the Hawks just looked off, and so that's the other thing. It's like, well, the Knicks didn't look on, but what if the same thing happens to the Hawks? What if they figure out a way to connect more on the three? What happens then? Um, no, that's fair. I think the Knicks did um, help off some of their shooters um, at times selectively um, and, and, you know, so, some of those looks didn't drop. Herder missed a few open ones. Uh, I think Bogey missed an open one from the corner. Gallo missed a couple open ones, although Gallo also had a, a step back three at one point. Um, 
I am worried that the Hawks are going to try to draw more contact because they know it worked when it mattered in the fourth. Like, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, they, that's how they, they had to come back was by appeasing or, you know, appealing to the refs and trying to draw these chicken wing fouls yeah, maybe. or Trey getting guys in jail. And it worked for them because that's how they won. Um, Cause again, I had said that Trey had 19 points on 20 shots entering the fourth quarter finished with 23 shots and what? 32 points. Right. Yeah. So that means he got 13 points on three shots in that one quarter and didn't even play the full quarter, which means that what he did to get the Hawks back into the game was working. And I'm concerned that they're going to keep trying to use that formula. Um, We'll see. Um, I'll be, the whistle is going to be something worth watching. I'm more curious about. So we'll finish up with Randall. Like. I, I don't. I think he he just has to hit the shots. <laughs> there were a lot of shots he took that missed that he's been in all year. So, you know, just just got to hit the shots like but what happens? Like is he is he going to be flustered? I don't think he is. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to come back. I think he's going to have a massive game. I think if they the question for me will be if he does come back and is hitting those shots, um how do you fit that in? with the other stuff that was working so well for the Knicks. And again, that's a good problem to have if he's going well and Rose is going well and Burks is going well and, you know, quickly since like all of this stuff to say nothing of like RJ and, and Reggie hitting their threes. When you talk about it like that, it's good. It's a good lead up to our final question, which is um, official confidence level for game two and the series. And then we'll do a prediction. Um, oh God. I, I, <laughs> I'm less confident. <laughs> I'm less confident now. Um, I still think they will win the series in seven games because uh, I think they'll figure out a way to get it to game five, two, two, which means I think they're going to win game two. Um, and I think they will steal one of the games in Atlanta. Qu- qu- uh, steal in air quotes, because there's going to be more Nick fans there than there are Hawks, Hawks fans. Um, but I just, I just wish I knew what the answer was to stop Atlanta, what they're doing, what they, and again, and, and they, and yet they, they limited them to, to 71 points through three quarters. And it should have been like 65 or 66, if we're being honest. So, you know, we'll see. Where's your confidence a lot. Very high. Very wild. Look at the ball. Look at the fucking cut. Look, Give me some like grapefruits or watermelons because that's the only representation of Jeremy Cohen that I can think of right now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, again, like I expect game two and I expect them to steal one in Atlanta. And then we're talking about two to two series. I thought it was going to go six. You thought it was going to go seven. You have to, you know, Hawks, if we believe the Knicks will win in either of those scenarios, and we do, that means the Hawks have to drop at least two games. So, you know, It'll, I think it'll average I mean, the out. Knicks have to. Well, then, sorry, the Knicks have to drop yeah. two games. Yeah. Yes. The Hawks have dropped four in that case um, yeah. in order for it to go to six, seven, and the Knicks winning. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of stopping Trey Young, it sounds like his fear of birds is the <laughs> number one way. Uh, I, you know, I can't say I blame him. If my hair looked like a nest, I would probably be terrified of birds trying to swoop in. And shit on me. And I can say that because a bird did shit on me yesterday on my way to the stadium when I was sitting in Herald Square, pooped on my arm. And you know what? I just grabbed some hand sanitizer and a napkin and I fucking dealt with it, Trey. So get over it. 
it, they're just birds. They're great. My family saved a bird once. We saved a homing pigeon that was flown here from North Carolina, escaped, and it went and lived out the rest of its days in a really nice place some, on some rooftop for a guy who cared for it. Birds are great. You play for the Hawks. How do you have this fear? How are you not over it by now? It's <sighs> my mini rant on not basketball, but basketball. I, I don't know what it says about me that of all the associations that one could make from that, the thing that I'm taking away is that a, a ginger just made fun of somebody else's hair. Whoa. Wow. I'd say that's awfully big of you, John, but <laughs> I've seen you in person. You're shorter than me, so. Am I really? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Every, I, I don't I listen. I'm, I, I, everything is funny. Just <laughs> put that in there. Everything is funny. Jeremy's rant, the, the hair off, the height off, whatever's happening right now. Everything is funny. And on that note, we've been talking for about an hour, so let's get the fuck out of here. Um, prediction with score. Okay, we both think the Knicks are going to win this game. Um, I Did we... Who I don't know who goes first, but what are the odds we choose the same um, score? So what you could go first. Sure. Um, I'm going to go with the Knicks winning the game. And I'm going to say that it ends 106-98. I will go 116-104. Knicks. Okay, Going Andrew, you want to? Yeah, a lot of offense. You want to get a prediction in here, Andrew? No, because people are mad at me for what I think was going to happen in this series. Um, I I think the Knicks will win game two because they've won this game all throughout the year. So I'll just I'll say they win closer to John's score because I don't see the Knicks holding the Hawks to under 100 points. I did have a question for both of you guys if you rewatched parts of the game today because I don't think we talked enough about just how bad Julius Randle was. But in the rewatch. Did it look like the Hawks were stopping him or did it just look like he was getting looks and missing shots? He was getting looks and he was missing shots. Um, I did not think. Other than. Other than the three he took late that uh, Gibson got the offensive rebound on and then it kicked around and it ended up in an RJ put back other than that three. And I want to say one like weird fadeaway ish thing he took along the baseline. It was, uh, was it in the third quarter? I think it was the third quarter. Um, and maybe one more shot. I did not have an issue with any of the shots that he took. Um, and it's not like the Hawks were doing anything. They were giving him single coverage. I don't think he put up a shot on double coverage at any point during the game, other than maybe on a couple drives where it's like, were there two Hawks in the vicinity? Sure. But he's been like, that's what Randall does. He drives and he gets it off the, 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 the glass and you know, he's been making it. So yeah, I, he just, he just had a bad here. I'll say this. It was clear to me rewatching the game that once some stuff did not go his way early, it got in, it seemed to get in his head that like, cause he just, there was like, when he's going, he moves with a fluidity that is like we've come to know what it is because we've seen it for 72 games this year. Well, almost 72 games. He had a couple off nights that was missing after definitely after like the first quarter and change that was not there. And it was pretty obvious. So I agree. I thought a lot of it just kind of 
was on Julius missing shots. Seemed like, uh, you know, again, first playoff game, you are the guy who has brought the team there. A lot, maybe a lot of excitement, but just didn't manifest into uh, winning basketball. And, and I think it'll correct itself for game two. And, and all that being said, he hit what would have wound up being one of the two or three biggest shots of the game with that three had they mm-hmm. won, um, which was a massively important three in the moment because they were down by two and it put him up by one. So with you guys like find a theory that he just is good after long breaks. Is oh, yeah. Okay. I think that's all it is. I just, there's, he said it himself. There's your actually. high confidence level for Jeremy then is the Knicks lost by two with Jer- with Julius going six of 24. If he goes eight for 24 next game and everything else stays the same, like they would have won this game. So right. unless you're counting on him having a bad series. No, I'm, which I'm not. Um, but I think what you're saying in terms of the, the timing, and he's even admitted it himself after the all-star break, when he has an extended period, he can't get back into the swing of things and takes him a game and then he's in it. Well, he you could then even argue like, would the Knicks have been in a better position if they had been the seventh seed in that <laughs> seat, in that case where they didn't have time off? No, I'm no, no. that's not a conversation I want to just have, but well, he, he also very briefly, see someone asked him something, something after the game. And he said like, um, I actually think I overprepared. And then uh, Steph Bondi, to his credit, I don't know what question he had planned to ask, but he diverted. And he's like, what do you mean with overprepared? And then Randall quickly was like, um, I'm just going to leave that. He basically was like, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I forget what his exact words were, but he like didn't answer the question. Um, but whatever. he Something happened over the last week that clearly did not work for Julius. Maybe he tried something different to like uh, get him out of the funk that he gets it and for anybody again who thinks we're making this up this is not um not only did this happen this year uh last season his first game out of the break he had a god-awful game and then if you even go back two seasons in new orleans it was a five for 12 outing for him but if you then go and look at his next month's worth of games, that first game out of the break when he was with the Pelicans was by far his worst out of all of those games that followed over the next month. So this is a real thing. This is not, we're not making this up. Yeah. That Bucks game to start the second half was one of the worst he's had in the season. Oh, he was three for 12 for yeah. seven points. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. It was horrendous. I'm oh God. Yeah. That was, that was bad. Okay. Anything else, Andrew, before we get out of here? No, just uh shout out to Rich McLeod. The, uh, I guess a temporary addition to Nick's film school. He's joining us for the playoffs to help us with our Instagram account. He'll be putting an eight minute recap together of the post game pods and putting it up on our Instagram. So for those who want to see an abbreviated version before you then go back and watch the entire version on YouTube, uh, you can on our Instagram. Uh, it's at Nick's film school, not S K O L like the cool kids spelled on Twitter, but actually Nick's film school on uh, Instagram. And then, yeah, uh, I'm Jeremy. Are you going to game two? I'm not. Okay. I was going to no. say the charge with the bird suits, but anybody going to game two, if this is a thing, I'll try anything to win a playoff series. Please wear, wear a big bird suit, wear uh, Birdman outfits, play Birdman in the stands. I, I noticed you have a bird statue behind you, uh, uh, Andrew. <laughs> what? That is Sparky. That is my alma mater's master. Oh, okay. We'll talk about my alma mater on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Please. And on that note. All right. um, Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Jeremy, anything from you before we go? Let's go next. Uh, Yeah. If you can't 
afford or want to wear a bird suit because of the weather. It's really hot out. Uh, just uh, do your best chicken dance. Um, look on. at Arrested Development. They did a great job of that. So uh, study the greats, I would say. And Listen, if you own a bird suit and you are otherwise comfortable wearing the bird suit in public to a Knicks playoff game and your reason is because it's too warm, I'm sorry. That's not valid. Well, let's also put it this way. No person who owns a bird suit is it's not going to be like, oh, the deal breaker for me is it's too hot, right? Exactly. I can't think of anyone who would A, own a bird suit and B, be like, well, now I like, this is the perfect way for me to use it and I'm not going to do it because of the heat. So. I, um, there was a, oh God, no, it wasn't a chirping chicken. The hell was the name of that? Wasn't chicken a go-go. Some takeout chicken restaurant in Staten Island where I was grow where I grew up where there was a guy in a bird costume that would always be out handing flyers. Maybe he can, maybe he should go to the game. I hope maybe we get the sign from Seinfeld when, uh, I don't know if either of you has ever watched. Seinfeld. Oh, the, the red neon. There we go. Yep. Listen, the top, top I, I probably say this about 30 Seinfeld episodes, top five Seinfeld episodes. Right yes. There. Um, okay. Uh, on that note, <laughs> We just we can't end like a normal show. Um, this did make me feel a lot better than I was feeling an hour ago. Uh, thank you, everybody out there, for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We will have um, this is dropping on a Tuesday. Yeah, we're gonna have a show for you tomorrow. Um, so check that out. Um, very special guest, returning guest, and then uh, Jeremy and I will be back talking to you after uh, the next next game, and uh, we will see you and talk to you then. Bye.